Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a heads up. This is the audio from the live stream we did talking about Space Sweepers on Netflix. It is still on Netflix. It is a really fun movie. I definitely recommend everybody check it out. That said, the if you are watching uh, this on YouTube and you are not a Patreon subscriber, you are watching uh, the version without the actual video. We are walling that off to Patreon subscribers exclusively. So even for just a dollar, you can get access to the video of Space Sweepers, uh, as well as if we do another live stream. I don't know. I had fun. It was really cool. We've done live streams in the past, and they've been a lot of fun. So if this is content that you would like to see, uh, let us know and join our Patreon, patreon.com slash isatransphobic. Uh, the other thing I wanted to warn you about is there is a little echo. We tried to solve it, and for the most part, it is solved. Uh, but there's a little bit of an echo uh, on some of it. So FYI, there it is. Enjoy Space Sweepers. Nope, you don't need to see another 30 seconds. That's fine. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I'm the creator and the producer of the Is a Transphobic podcast. Uh, we're about to go live. Like, we're already... you've you're watching us, you're seeing us go live. Wow, I'm normally able to cut these things out. That's the beauty of editing. But we can't do that today because we're live. Amazing. So I'm going to stop uh, doing whatever it is that I am doing at the moment and start bringing in uh, my co-hosts today. So hi, everyone. Uh, if you would, please tell uh, the folks watching and listening your names, your pronouns, and yeah, we'll just jump right in. Uh, hi, I'm Emmett Asher Perrin, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Silas Barrett, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello, Jonathan Alexandrados, and my pronouns are they, them. Awesome. So I am, uh, I'm just going to get the, the ball rolling. I started watching this film because I heard from Emmett and Silas, oh my gosh, you all need to watch this film. Oh my gosh, you all need to watch this film. Just in general, not specifically to me. And then Jonathan approached me and said, Ashley, we, we have to do this film. We have to talk about this film. So We'll get into what this film is in a moment, the film Space Sweepers, but I would love to hear how y'all came to find it. <laughs> like what 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 said to you, oh, I need to watch this film? I heard it from Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> We're all hearing yeah. it from Emmett. That's what it yeah. is. No, that was my so um I'm the I'm the news and entertainment editor at Tora.com. And so uh, I'm all, the person who's usually responsible for like getting all the trailers put up on the site. And uh, that that movie had been coming up all over the place for a while. So I basically kept seeing the trailers and was like, this looks like it's going to be really fun and decided that um, when it came out, I I'm also uh, one of the primary film critics for the site. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I watch this when it comes out and I'm going to get a review done. Um, and I was expecting to enjoy it. I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, I, I think mostly because I'm, I really love sort of big bombastic action space operas, um, but I, I find that a lot of them don't 
they don't they're not as exciting as they used to be i think that they they aren't they're they're made by big corporations now and they're all kind of doing the exact same thing so i was really happy to see something that wasn't doing that and i live with them so we're super married yeah um, which stuck. means that i heard about it you know, three or four times every time. So often they would be like, you know, we should really watch that Space Sweepers movie. And I would say, ah, what movie is that? And then they would tell me. And then two weeks, you know, two days later, they'd be like, do you want to watch Space Sweepers? And I'd be like, what, what is it? And they would tell me again, because we're married. But they were right. We, we needed to watch it. Yeah. I mean, and, and Emmett, I, I read your review. And uh, of course, you know, you, you are someone who could tell me to watch someone just recite a phone book. And I'd be like, oh, Emmett said to do it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'll do it. Um, but that's because your writing is so smart about these things that like, probably wouldn't say that um, <laughs> unless, you know, it's warranted. But I watched it and I loved it. And uh, Ashley, what I what I loved about our interaction on Space Sweepers was just, you know, I passed it along to you and then you started watching it. I loved your your text that was just like, Oh, the robot got it. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I it's so so often whenever anyone tells me, "Hey Ashley, you need to see this," or especially when it's explicitly, "Hey, we should do this for the podcast," and no one immediately jumps out like immediate like at first I was like, "Okay, is it the captain? Is it like where is this going?" I feel like Jonathan wouldn't be so like, "We have to do this" unless there's someone that's like explicitly trans that's like definitely there that's like, "Oh yeah." But, <laughs> It's macho man. Watch me, bubs. Oh yeah. <laughs> Snap into a slim gym. Um, but but yeah, and so it was just like, oh, it's the robot, isn't it? And then it was just like, yep, it's clearly the robot. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about bubs. I will say, uh, I talked about space sweepers at length uh, with my friend Rodney Brown on the Nerd Caliber podcast. And we talked a little bit about gender and we talked, I talked a lot, which you can hear all of my hot takes, which are very bad hot takes in my opinion, in my own opinion, I think they're bad hot takes, but they're very much this like robot. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, but I'd love to hear how you all felt about bubs and sort of like seeing this character come into her own. I, I think that's a really good point that sort of, the trans sort of, are they actually trans, is it trans allegory? It's often an alien, a robot, like not just like a, a human that we would, you know, say, well, could also live today in our earth. Um, and that's certainly true, but there's something about it and the rev the sort of slow reveal that you, you meet bubs and that the, the shape that they are and the sound of their voice is what we would, you know, in society would say, oh, that's a, that's a man. And then you sort of get this reveal that you've made an assumption. And because it's a robot, something about it just highlights the ridiculousness of that assumption. Because you're like, well, why did I think that? I just heard some things and I said, that is definitely only how a man sounds. And I'm going to just sort of not interrogate my initial impulse and my initial read, which even trans people, even people who have done a lot of work unpacking, you know, what society teaches us about sex and gender, we still do it. I was still, you know, I didn't view that character as neutral until I was told otherwise. 
and and so I, I think that it was powerful in that respect for me. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Emmett. Well, I I come from the so I, allegory obviously is not a stand-in for for representation, but also I've been a science fiction person for so many years, and to me, robots are more human than humans are. <laughs> most of the time so I, I I have a tendency I'm I'm very empathetically linked into any character that's a robot so when I found out it like when that happened in the film when you get the reveal I was like oh good it's the robot <laughs> I want it to be the robot I always want it because I love robots so much but also um the the thing that I thought was really interesting was when I put up the review our first commenter uh, you know, normally like don't ever read the comments, but the first comment I got was from a native Korean speaker. And one of the things that I thought was super sweet was that they explained that in, if you're watching the film um, and you're watching it with English subtitles or, or dubbing, the reveal is Kotnim calls her lady. And, and she gets really excited that, that the kid has figured out that, that she's a lady. Um, but apparently if you speak Korean, the word that she uses is actually the word that a little girl would use to refer to her older sister. Oh. And, I, and I was like, language is beautiful and context is so important and I wish I'd known that. Yeah, like I, I will I will also admit, and this is a thing that we, we should probably state is that none of us are Korean, none of us are native yes. Korean speakers. Uh, I, I do not speak Korean at all. Uh, so we are coming into this piece uh, in some ways as, as people critiquing a film from another culture, but at the same time, there is so much in this film that feels, I said this on the Nerd Caliber podca podcast, it feels international, which is fascinating. I've never had that experience watching a film where it legitimately feels like an international effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's interesting, Emmett, that you mentioned that because the I watched the 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 subtitles uh, version as opposed to the dubbed uh, version, and the word that I remember from that is sister, but that I didn't I didn't know the context about the older sister piece, and that is it that felt deeply loving to me. I mean, the thing that I loved about Bubs is that if this is a pseudo wizard of oz kind of thing and there's a lot i think to suggest that it at least has some influences there um then that's your tin man and the idea that not a man she's bubs that and and that not only is she not a man but the quest for a heart which is the tin man's quest in the wizard of oz is a quest for gender um, is I think deeply beautiful because to me, it links this idea of finding gender uh, to finding your heart. And I find that really compelling. I just kind of like gotta sit with that. That's actually really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that there's also a, I think that they the film does such a really beautiful job. It, it is a very international effort at a time when people keep trying to make films like this and doing them not that well. And I, the thing that sort of struck me in watching it was that I'm I'm watching this uh, 
you know, in the context of having watched films recently, like Elysium and like Valerian and like even, you know, I, and I mentioned this in the review, like, and, and Star Wars, and they, they keep doing all these things where they're like, we're showing all these different types of people. We're, we're making, you know, we're showing that we are all the same and we're showing that we can all work together and that we all need to recognize that the enemy is class issues or it's, it's, you know, the, the fact that we, you know, we can't stop fighting over tiny things that don't make that much of a difference. And the films don't pull it off. Like Valerian is the best part of Valerian is the first five minutes. And then the rest of it kind of goes off the rails and doesn't really do what it needs to do. Mm. So to see a film that is, you know, it's, it's still, it is, it is a Korean film that actually makes the effort to bring in so many different people from so many different places and succeeds. It kind of just makes you look at like what, what Western film is doing and going like, why, why are we doing this? What's going on, guys? Come on. We can make this better. We can do a better job. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, one one can say that it's uh, like the whole idea of the the over corporatization of the film industry, making it so that like it, it's got to be a guaranteed hit. And by trying to make it a guaranteed hit, it fails. And you see it all the time where it's like, oh, I can see the kernel of a, a good movie in this. Like very much like you were saying with Valerian or very much like you were saying with with even the, the new Star Wars movies. It was like, oh, I found myself really pulling for a lot of these new Star Wars movies. And then that last one happened. And it was just like, what? I, OK, sure. I guess. Yeah. yeah. It almost needs to come from a source that's totally detached from American nostalgia. Like what American, like U.S. nostalgia is, that's what keeps getting dangled in front of us by filmmakers to get us to come back because they think we'll feel the same as we did in 1986 when we saw Transformers. And it's not going to happen because we are fundamentally different people. So if you take a film that comes from outside the U.S. like Space Sweepers, it's not trying to necessarily be plugged into that in the same way that a Michael Bay Transformers movie is trying to be plugged into that. And that makes it seem very refreshing, frankly, to us. Um, and uh, it, it completely just makes me fall in love with it. Yeah. I, I do think that, I mean, the, the nostalgia thing is a huge thing like on my end, I, cause I, I deal with that stuff every day, you know? And like, if you're talking to anyone on the internet, but especially if you're talking to nerds, it's like everybody wants everything to feel exactly, they, they want the same experience and you can't replicate it and you can't make, you can't make the same. I mean, people, people were critiquing things, you know, like the next, the third Star Wars trilogy for being derivative from the first film. And there are times when mimicry can be fun and when you're sort of like reskinning and resisting something and going like okay how how do we recalibrate this for a modern audience you can do really interesting stuff there but ultimately we are getting to a point where a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is being made i i actually i I, i've talked with this about um about this with with people before i was actually talking about it on a mark twain podcast um a couple weeks ago that just aired today as well but it's like these stories are now getting made in, in labs. They're being made by committees. They're being made to appeal to the broadest swath of people. And when you do that, when you make something to appeal to the biggest group possible, you're going to lose all the nuance. You're going to lose all the specificity. 
And that's what ends up, you know, that, that's why you end up getting stuff where you're like, and now Palpatine's back from the dead and everyone's going to get in a billion Star Destroyers and we're going to do this again. <laughs> you want to know why Palpatine's back? You got to play Fortnite, though. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a kid and no one wants to hear about that. No one wants to know anything about this. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mentioned anything and Jonathan has a toy. For those of you that are not part of our Patreon, you can't see the amazing toy or the amazing toys in general that Jonathan has behind them but yeah there there will be a lot of toy references that you are, you're, you're, you're missing out on because you're not paying a dollar a month speaking uh, of yeah. a great property for toys space sweepers oh yeah. my god if yeah. there were toys of that ship and those people holy cow i would, I would go nuts that. yeah it would be so and i love i i the, the other thing it's so like obviously like we want to we want to talk about bubs but the importance to me of seeing a little girl in a film who is like farting and messy and like a real child instead of like this fake thing that they can like keep telling people little girls are was like i was like if i had seen that as a kid when you know i still like was like i, I am a little girl because that's what everyone tells me i i would have felt very comforted by that <laughs> I, I oh what was it uh there's there's a um samantha b's husband who i can never remember the name of he is on a show and it's amazing the detour um and his whole mentality when they were building the children was these have to be like real no like okay we're parents and you always see these like oh the parents are assholes and then like the kids are like oh here's a sarcastic quip it's like no ki i have kids kids are assholes so the kids that we're building are also assholes <laughs> It's kind of yeah. great. Uh, so yeah, like maybe if you're gonna put kids in a movie, let them be real. <laughs> let them feel real. Yeah, yeah. In 2021, the tornado is inside Dorothy, and she parts it. Yes, <laughs> that's how we know. Oh God. <laughs> I feel like I need that as a cross stick. <laughs> 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 a pillow. <laughs> I, so my kind of extending on this idea of my hot take, uh, I, I have a bad hot take and I know it. I, I own it. My bad hot take is there is something about me that disconnects when a character is a robot and or a character is an alien or a character is a whimsical fairy and they're the queer one. And they're the only one that's like that is explicitly queer. Uh, and so for me, it is like, oh, for a lot of people that might be a way in. But for those same people, they're like, oh, that's a robot. Well, that's a toaster. And so, like, I always feel bad about that. Like, to me, Data is a toaster. I don't know what to tell you. I realize Data is artificial intelligent being. A whole episode about that. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a monster. I'm a monster. Pain on Emmett's face. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize it. I recognize this. And I am open and I am willing to come around on that. <laughs> but there is a part in the reptile brain that is like, that's a toaster. <laughs> but you love toast. You love toast. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Toaster? <laughs> Just let Pretty Bold Toaster was a fantastic bread. movie. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Silas, say that again. <laughs> Is that what toasters do? They make bread? No, no. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, toasters, they make bread. Just shove some uh, dough yeah. in it. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, yeah. actually, it's it's funnier because, like, I mean, the, part of probably part of the reason that I I love robots as much as I do. When I was a kid, I watched the Brave Little Toaster over Me and over too. and over. <laughs> And I'm like, no, those appliances are people. They're people. And if you throw them away, you've killed something and you should feel bad. <laughs> you know, 
I do think that that's a, I mean, I, I, I understand the, the actual sort of like the intellectual discussion of like, we can't use allegory as, as a stand-in for representation. And that is a problem. And also the fact that the, the character is not being voiced by a trans woman, mm-hmm. which is its own issue. But I do think, I, I, I think that there is something, I think it might have something to do with when you, like what science fiction stories you were exposed to when you were a kid mm-hmm. and how they were formative and what they did to your brain. Because all the characters that I related to when I was really little, they were all, like, when I was really, really tiny, like, the first time I saw Star Wars, C-3PO was my favorite character. Like, I, and I was like, people are boring. <laughs> I like this this cowardly gold robot. He's much better. Yeah. He was the only character to have a serial. That's right. He was. Well, there's C-3PO's in the, yeah. for the original movie. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. Oh um it's but it's true like emmett what you're saying and, and ashley like what you're saying like i i also want to add to the validity of that of that take because i do think it's important to be reminded of that i think that my love for it um definitely comes from a similar place maybe to emmett's where it stems from a childhood where i felt a lot of safety in those characters and i felt a lot of comfort by them so to see it now my brain my intellectual brain goes yes we can break down the intellectual issues there uh but my childhood go back to nostalgia brain is like oh but that's who we that's who we loved and look they're a little bit more like us now isn't that wonderful so Hmm. i think that's where the feelings are yeah and also i mean the in science fiction so often characters that are robots and characters that are that are aliens are supposed to are are deliberately supposed to stand in for like they are the most human that's Hmm always like the, the point like whatever the struggle is you're going to use that character as a way and and it's not it's not only true with queerness it's been true for talking about feminism and talking about racism and talking about any you know, ableism any other number of issues they'll use the alien they'll use the robot they'll use the shapeshifter they'll use and and there are still issues with using that and making that the allegory but if you are tapped into the like the rules quote unquote about how we do those things you know that that's what they're for you know that those characters are there to explore sides of humanity that we don't typically explore and i think that that makes a difference too right and once again we're running into the problem that there's nothing wrong with a trans robot it's just why are they the only trans character if there were several trans characters in the story yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't be so important everything wouldn't be riding on this one person and how effective the message is and whether or not we think that your average audience member feels like they can dismiss them because they're not a human being actually yeah and i will say there were never any jokes at bubs's expense about being a femme person in the body of this is just the way that i'm I'm choosing to describe it like being a femme person in the body of uh, essentially a male robot chassis um and like it, it was never anything other than respect the only thing i will say that was hysterical up until i realized why 
uh, Bubs was get, was like gaining all that capital and trying to like take all the money, not take all the money, but like win all the money from from Bubs's friends, was because Bubs was saving up to get this like human human like prosthetic uh, body for Bubs to feel more uh, at home in Bubs's self, yeah. uh, which like I just thought it was hilarious that they kept taking Bubs's money whatever they needed to pay off. Like, so- <laughs> And she's like, it's always my stuff. Why do we always have to take my money whenever you guys screw up? I'm the only one who can save anything. And yet here we are. <laughs> the other thing that I really liked was I, I loved the fact that the the indication that you get, like, so that the other crewmates don't know. But at the end of the film, like, she gets the chassis and they're like, they help her, you know, uh, deal with a, a guy who'd been shitty to her in the past. And what we see is that they're all completely, like, no, no one no one has a problem with it they just didn't know and it's an issue because of the assumption but the point was never these people aren't going to accept it they're going to think it's weird they're going to think it's bad it's just like you know they they made the unfortunate human assumption that we make around gender and when they were corrected they had no issue with it mm, that's yeah. true i also enjoyed that Kotnim when she sort of attaches herself to each of the protagonists she will start calling them auntie or uncle, you know, sort of in the tradition. Mm. Um, but there's sort of a, a thing that happens where she's like kind of bringing out the best in them. Like she starts calling Tiger Uncle Tiger and he starts leaning into his, his softer side and being less of just like the super like mask bruiser, you know, stereotype. Um, and it's true of all of the characters, except for Bubs really, because I feel like she's encouraging people to change and improve. Whereas for Bubs, it's just, hey, I kind of see you under there without needing to be told. Yeah, and in, and in a lot of ways, because like 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 mentioned, uh, Bubs, you know, the, the rest of the crew didn't even know. Uh, and, you know, it's not necessarily on Bubs to be open about it. Bubs can be as open about that as Bubs wanted, but at the exact same time, the introduction of this child and the introduction of someone who was immediately, I see you, I understand you was enough to kind of give that. So there was still a change with bubs. It was just not a change of ways. It was a, Oh, this is what acceptance looks like, Mm -hmm. which, which was kind of like, that was really interesting. And that's very wizard of Oz too. Like the, the thing that you're missing is actually inside you all along is the, sort of arc of that um and i think it it plays really well here um i'm curious you know the the one side of this that i think we can't really see in the u.s is just sort of how how this sort of movie with bubs landed in i guess the the mass sort of market um for which it was made i don't know um i sometimes like have flashes of like if this were in every u.s theater what would sort of what would Reddit be like? Probably horrible. I don't know. Well, so the, the funny thing about that is that was the original intention. The reason ah. why it ended up on Netflix is because of the pandemic. It was ah. supposed to actually get released in theaters. And gotcha. I was like, ah, oh, darn, I really would have loved to have seen this on a gigantic screen. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad. 
like and i'm I'm curious because i and i brought this up with uh my chat with nerd caliber as well like but how well do we think this would have done i know obviously because parasite and this this was brought up like parasite winning the the academy award and so people are a lot more interested and in tune on like okay this is a korean film this is a like we're we're more familiar we as americans are more familiar with this cinema now like i i'm curious how it would have done like i don't know hmm and I'm, I'm sure like some of that probably would have had to do with like distribution issues, like how, how broadly would it actually have been shown? But mm-hmm. I do think uh, it, it would have been interesting to see how people reacted to it and how many people went to see it. I mean, Snowpiercer also did well. Yeah. So maybe yeah. there would have mm-hmm. been some sort of, you know, people would have been interested because we've had, there's been more, more Korean film coming to the U.S. as sort of mainstream. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering, like, would would the prevailing sort of opinion of the ending be like, oh, haha, that that robot sounds like a girl or whatever it looks like? Like, I mean, that which which obviously is not the type of conversation we're having about it. Um, I, I just wonder if that would be the read, sort of the popular read, like it's a joke or something. I hope not. Hmm. No, and, and actually, Jonathan, you bring up a really good point. I know earlier I brought up the idea that, like, oh, you know, there are no jokes about this character because they're, uh, you know, because the, because Bubs has uh, the voice that Bubs has, but is in a certain body, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, there is that, like, Bubs doesn't specifically change her voice at the end. Uh, and part of it, like, is, you know, she's figuring out what voice she wants. But when she talks to... Um, when she talks to Dorothy, she says like, oh, I I like the voice you have. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like, like that could still be read as like the joke of here's the visualization of a hot lady who's got a man voice for lack of better description. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, it is very much still kind of couched in this like real affirmation yeah especially as especially as a trans woman that has a deep voice and just doesn't care (laughs) it's like yeah all right yeah and it's coming from you know a kid Mm -hmm. so like you know like the 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 quote unquote the the picture of innocence like the person who doesn't have any baggage or anything associated with it just saying like i like your voice because it's yours Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely had a moment with that where I was like, you could sort of take this or like personally, I could sort of be reminded of people being, you know, family members and things sometimes will we'll push back if you want to change something transition wise. And they're kind of like, but you're so beautiful or you're so whatever it is that they think you are and that you're going to, you know, ruin. And there was a way that it could have been taken that way. And I think it really the fact that it was a small child and the same one who was the first one to see her. Mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of like you, when you watch those conversations where like drag queens go to talk to little kids mm-hmm. and sometimes the little kids will spout back, you know, uh, homophobic or um, sexist things that they've clearly picked up from society. But it just doesn't feel the same as when it's an adult and when it feels very pointed and very real. It's more like, this is just where we are and we can talk about these things and it's a little bit more about experience. And, you know, she says, I like your voice, but it doesn't become this thing of like, no, don't change. Mm-hmm. I think. But I, I, it did. Yeah. I wasn't sure about that. moment. I, 
I mean, it kind of models dysphoria and kind of the complex discussions around dysphoria that that happen. Um, I think pretty well. Like it models a version of that. I think um, the the sort of conversation around oh, I can't have this voice because that's not what society tells me that this should sound like. Versus the okay, put that aside for a second and let's just ask are you happy with that voice? And if the answer to that is actually yes, then there's no reason to change it. Um, you know, you're, you're making changes to increase your own euphoria. Anything that doesn't do that um, is not necessarily, that doesn't need to be part of it. Um, you know, uh, so I like that, that sort of modeling. And, and I like that it's maybe a little, it's a little sticky because it can be a little sticky to have those conversations. I know it's tough for me to look in the mirror sometimes and figure out like, well, what do I want to change about myself? Well, I don't know. Like, is it something I'm changing for me? Is it something I'm changing for society? I don't like all of that information feels alive in that conversation at the end with Bubs and, and uh, Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're, we're at the line of the podcast. We're all. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Silas. Say that again. <laughs> oh, I was just saying I could see that all of us were just like having a moment. We were having a lot of feelings and just quietly for a second there. Yeah, we're we're at the point of the podcast where if we're, we're if we really enjoyed the piece, <laughs> we can't really take it in because we're not screaming about how much we hate it and how much. <laughs> stupid that is this is no dallas buyers club right uh, yeah. see the mrs doubtfire episode <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want that yeah well i was i i kept thinking about like the the enjoyment of actually watching like the because the the finale of the film where they're all sort of you know doing what they have to do and sort of in the climax of the film the thing that i actually really loved so much was the fact that the two people defending the ship it's bubs and jang their their mm -hmm. captain it was the two women who are like the bruisers and it has nothing to do with their size and it has nothing to do with like, you know, it's, it's just about the fact that these are the people with those skills on the crew. And I was like, good, good breaking the trope, break the trope. <laughs> yeah. Also, just to throw this out, not for nothing, Jang was hot. I was like, yeah. the entire time I was just like, oh, hi. Oh, oh I guess I found my type. Okay. <laughs> and, and also, like, she has that terrible, like, the, the, the guy who likes her is just like this very tall, long-haired French boy who is just yeah. very into her and she has no time for it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. More of this. Yeah. The other thing is, because correct me if I'm wrong, they don't end up together. No. Do they? Yeah. No. No. It's like I'm, you yeah, can yeah. help me because you like me, and yeah. I'll yeah. just take you that. You can hang out. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to do what I say whenever you hang out. Right. <laughs> and you know that that's what you're. And he's never like, oh, I've been friend zoned, or oh, I'm not getting yeah. what I want out of this. He's like, yes, you're right. I am very lucky to be in your presence. Yeah. And beyond that, he barely gets lines, which I love. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, show your appreciation and go off in your own little movie or whatever. Go, go play the guitar. Do yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I also there was like something about, and I keep calling her Dorothy because I just I'm terrible with names, and I remember that she was Dorothy. 
uh, th- there's just something about Dorothy when they're first introduced to her and they think that she is this giant nuclear bomb that could go off at any moment, which is hysterical. But I also like totally uh, like because, again, when you're when 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 I go into a piece and I know that I'm doing it for the podcast, I have to play who's the trans. And <laughs> I was just like. Is this kid the trans? Is this what Jonathan wanted to say? I don't understand. Like, is it because they all think that this kid is going to explode? Like, what? Oh, it's the wrong. <laughs> we know this. It's like, I mean, it's one of the many secrets of trans folk is that we could explode at any moment. It's just, we, we you heard it here. Not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that and we love, we love to color. That's, yeah. 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 Coloring and explosions. Yeah. These are the things that we do. Both very therapeutic in different ways. Yeah. The only true binary. <laughs> but there there was this like real like feeling that I got from this idea of like this child is a dangerous weapon and she's just being a child. She's just trying to exist. It's just like and then especially finding out she's not a danger at all and she gives a bunch of life. She gives a bunch of life. She gives life. Uh no, I like, like a bunch of life. <laughs> so much life. <laughs> just so much life. Oh, but yeah, like it, it just it felt really I don't know, like it it, it spoke to me in a way that I, I wasn't expecting it to. <laughs> yeah, and it, it works really well in contrast with the the villain of the story who makes himself into this <laughs> massive hologram to tell everybody how beneficial he is and how 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 wonderful he is and how much he's gonna improve everybody's lives. And for all his talk, it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> She's the actual one who has the true power in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that. I also, I, the, I wanted to create, a, there's probably more of them, but I had a, I had a really sharp reaction to that. The, the big giant hologram, yeah. because that's a trope in science fiction. <laughs> We've seen it more than once. Oh yeah. The master does it in Doctor Who, Horde yeah. Prime does it in she And I'm like, so this is a thing. Like when you're a megalomaniac, you're like, yeah. Giant hologram. It's mm-hmm. the size of a size skyscraper. You all have to listen to me. Yeah. And again, in The Wizard of Oz, it's a big giant head. Yeah. Like... yeah. It's a really beautiful. Like, I was like, okay, so this is, I want yeah. the compilation. I right. want to put it on YouTube. What's the song you would set that to? I don't even know. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to go back to Everybody that wants to rule the world. <laughs> yeah. It's the end of the world we know it or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to be REM is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Here in the place where you work. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also, I really love this whole like evil Elon Musk. there's just something about this character and i forget the name of the actor i know that he's a famous american actor richard armitage richard armitage he does this character to perfection like it's just like this could be a very stock character that's just like yeah oh okay i'm evil but like the way he does the evil is just so you can tell he's having a good time you can tell he's put his work into it just like yeah (laughs) there's something so delightfully fun about this where they're like yeah the characters are big larger than life or you know Richard Armitage is going to chew the scenery this whole time we're going to give him a weird skin thing that we never explained <laughs> it's just like coded villain stuff and and the the movie is talking about all these serious themes but it's also like grand and unapologetically ridiculous 
Whereas a lot of the science fiction we're doing now is trying to pass itself off as really serious. And then the ridiculousness, Palpatine, you're just like, I, it would be okay if you just were doing it, but you think you're doing something clever. Whereas they're doing something clever, but they're also like, it's just silly. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Enjoy yeah. yourself. Like imagine how, how different Rise of Skywalker would have been if they had just been like, yeah, Palpatine's coming back and we know that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> like if they just owned that. Yeah. It's like, what? It's like, well, I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting there like around around his table with all of his clones. And yeah, like a like, Tomax and Samon situation from G.I. Joe. They're all just there. Exactly. One's got a star. <laughs> it's very, like, it's very Skeletor. He's just, you know, <laughs> Trust me, Skywalker. No one is as confused or surprised as I. <laughs> I'm just out of ideas. I don't know. <laughs> Get me my fifty-foot tall hologram. <laughs> That's right, Snoke too. That was Snoke. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is well, and that was it's even funnier because I remember when when the Force Awakens came out mm-hmm. and they showed that the Snoke thing. They tried to tell us that he was really that big. Uh, yeah, like I, you know, I would have been down for fifty foot tall, right? Evil. <laughs> and and that was in the news. I think someone had like had interviewed Andy Circus or something happened, and someone revealed they're like, no, he's actually fifty feet tall. And I was like. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I joined the okay. dark side just from being pissed from hitting my head on so many doors. Yeah. So I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm gonna go evil. That's where he got all those scars. <laughs> like thwack. <laughs> and then they took it back and you were like, oh no, he's just another one of the squad. Right. <laughs> right. I made a chair and easily dispatched, but please don't. We have another movie after this. <laughs> oh, so space yeah. creepers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, hey, I'm, I'm, I could talk Star Wars all day. <laughs> I know Emmett, you could talk Star Wars all day. <laughs> Don't let me. And they do. <laughs> Don't tell everyone. I could participate in that. I'm looking around for. Oh, hey, wait. There we go. I do have one for that too. Ah, nice. Skywalker there. <laughs> Once, uh, but again, you'll never get to see it unless you join. I know. But yeah, no, hey, our Patreon subscribers will. They're going to see this yes. thing that Miles is holding up. You don't know what it is. This Could is, it be a banana? Emmett. Yes, it's a secret. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, back to the discussion. <laughs> I just want to participate in the toy thing. <laughs> cool. I got, that good. <laughs> that's what I got. I got Sailor Venus. I, my wife bought hey. me Sailor Venus. Anyway, uh, this is the beauty of the live stream, y'all. Uh, <laughs> So, the pandemic's I, been really hard on us. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing that I, I really loved about this movie, this is like a two-hour-ish movie. Like, it was like two hours and some change, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did not feel like that. No. Mm-hmm. And the script no. is really, the script is so tight. Like, I'm very impressed at when people, like, because often when they're like, this movie's two hours and 15 minutes, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and not because I don't like long movies, but because you're like, what weird stuff did you do to make this movie? Like, you know, when, when it's episode one should not have been two and a half hours no. going back to Star Wars. But like, you get, you get space sweepers. And I was like, okay, like, what's, what are we going to get? Are we going to get too many action sequences, like way too many action sequences? Like, are we going to, what are, what are we going to get overloaded on that shouldn't have been there? Yeah. And there's nothing. 
Yeah. It's so tight. It's really well conceived. There are lots of things that come back, like little shout outs that the world building is pretty complex. Like they, they don't waste it. They go like, okay, if the movie's going to be close to two and a half hours, there's going to be a reason for it to be close to two and a half hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from, from really the first scene, I had the feeling of like, oh, I could live in this world. Like I could just live, I could exist in this world as long as they want to show it to me. I'm fine. And that's, I think, the 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 feeling you want to target when you're going for that kind of movie. You know, not not trying to, like, buy my attention with these, like, action scenes that are just empty calories, but, like, actually making me want to exist there. And I did. Yeah. No, and that's, that's how you can tell you got good world building is when you are sitting there, you're absorbed in it. And space opera, I don't, does this count as space opera? I don't know. I never know. Things are really weirdly like rigid. Some genres are fake, but you yeah. know, we them anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's what I would describe as a space opera. Uh, and space operas are very hard to get the world building down because it's so vast. And so, like, you need to, like, oh, yeah, well, you in your head know that this alien uh, can do 50 backflips. But, you know, that that's a surprise to your to your audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, great- I think. <laughs> and they do, they do a good job with, like, the, the tiny things that, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I think that there's there's a thing that happens in in good space opera where there are like a couple various things that you can do to make world building happen quickly and easily. And I think that it's like gambling, food, where people sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's like 90% of what you need to know about space operas are usually just in those details. Yeah. <laughs> like, How do people eat and what are they eating? Where do you go to sleep? And like, how do you gamble or drink or? Yeah. <laughs> Usually it has nothing to do with space and nothing to do with operas. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's like one of the best parts of that movie is when they're selling all the tomatoes. There we go. That's, that's what you want. Those, those moments. Yep. Exactly. So is there anything else that we haven't discussed where we're getting to the point where we should start wrapping up and start asking the questions that we always ask? Um, Hmm. I'm going to say that's probably a no, but if something pops up while we're answering those questions, yeah, I, I'm, we have a little bit of time so we, we can go ahead and deviate from the questions. But y'all know the questions. Y'all have been on this podcast before. Admittedly, Emmett, you and I have never done a show together. You, you jumped not. in on, yeah, you, you jumped in when I needed uh, some folks. And luckily, Silas and you stepped up to help uh, while I was out in uh, Scotland maybe a year or two ago. So yeah, so this is the first time you and I have been on a show together. But let's, so the questions that we always ask, uh, is it transphobic and is it enjoyable? Uh, I think people already know the answer to one of those questions. So let's go ahead and lead with that. Was it enjoyable? This could be a scale of one to 10. This could be a noise. This could be a physical action that people will have to join our Patreon to see. <laughs> Who wants to go first? There we go. Silas is doing action. Oh, yeah, that is a good action <laughs> right there. there. Oh, good if one. you're not Patreon, you'll never know what I thought of the movie. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say on the Dorothy fart meter, it's like the deep, like internal, like middle of the night, just all of that, just flowing right out of you like a foghorn. Just a beautiful little yeah, foghorn is- that lasts for a while. Yeah. 
This is the quality content that people come to this podcast for. <laughs> just, just to clarify, that is a good thing, correct, Justin? Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, have you ever been in the middle of the night and had a really big fart? It's awesome. Damn it. How did you feel about this? <laughs> <laughs> now I just really wish that I could have farted on cue. <laughs> but, but since I can't... I just tried to destroy my podcast. <laughs> We're trying to improve your podcast. (laughs) That's definitely what the people want. (laughs) I think I think that on a scale, but my my scale is I want to be wrapped in in Bubs's pink sweater. That's what I want. (laughs) Bubs's sweatshirts? The, the, the sweater at the end, Quality. which is like the most accurate piece. I was like, I know so many trans women who would wear this exact sweater. Yeah. This is good. This is a good costuming choice. And the person who animated it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I have to emphatically agree. I think, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I loved this. This was so like honestly, it was so surprising to me. I was kind of putting it off. I was putting it off so much because I was like, "What is this? Are they janitors? I don't know." <laughs> like, yes, I mean, kind of. I mean, they are. Just, like, people, like people I respect are saying that this is amazing, but like, I don't know if I'm here for space janitors right now. And it was just like, "Oh, oh." Yeah, no, this was good. I'm glad that I took the time. Um, so, is it transphobic? No, I don't think it's transphobic. I think that, like, basically everything, it exists in an imperfect transphobic world. So, not everything is going to work. Not everything comes back. But there was no nothing in it where I was like the person who made this had a transphobic thought intended a transphobic or even just sort of a wasn't trying to be negative but didn't think it through mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's where i land too i mean i think that it's it in and of itself is not a transphobic movie i i think that that does not absolve it from criticism uh but i think that uh exactly what silas said is is accurate um 100 yeah i agree i i think that uh i i think that it's the the one thing that i really think would have made a difference is if they had been able to get a trans woman to voice bubs because then you would have had some actual yes. trans representation in the film yep. but again like there's the it's certainly not a story that's intending to do harm it's intending to to open people's minds and to yeah i mean the whole movie is very much about just telling people to love each other and be kind to each other overall so she's no exception. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I fall on a similar scale. I think that to me there is still I don't think it's transphobic. I'm just gonna state that. But like I, I do think that there is something to any piece of media that is like, oh, the only trans character is a non-human is just sort of like okay like we see it all the time uh i think that i will be a lot more relaxed about that once uh we start getting more human trans characters represented and we are we're starting to see that um but at the exact same time uh and just to kind of acknowledge it if that actor and i do not know the actor that played bubs i do not know his work but if he comes out later and actually says like oh i'm trans then all the more better uh but at the same time this actor is not an out trans actor and for a lot of these roles priority really does need to go to out trans actors and again like we're talking about different cultures different casting procedures right now this is a truth to get more trans actors in the room just in general Mm -hmm. um 
it needs to go out to people that are out and open be, because we don't often get to play anything but those characters if we're even considered for them uh and i and that's i i'm very much like i just wanted to make sure that that was like stated explicitly um, yeah mm. oh, and just to add to that I, I mean i think that also in this movie you know there's a lot of ladies and gentlemen being said right mm -hmm. yet we're meant to envision a world that is theoretically at least more gender open so they them pronouns neo pronouns right would probably be a thing so i think that if you are crafting a world that's meant to embrace transness uh and and be gender inclusive and gender expansive then you need to sort of work in some of those elements as well into the world yeah and I do think that, I, I think that there's a, this is one of the things where the issues where being a film as opposed to being a longer story can, can actually cause some issues. Because I do think that the part of the reason that you're not going to see as much of it in the world that we see is because it is so clearly being controlled by people with a very specific idea of what being a good human is. And they are very i mean that the the big issue with richard armitage's you know character sullivan and and the fact that he keeps offering people this choices to sh like prove whether or not they're actually good people and it, it's a catch 22 he's the person with all the power telling someone in an impossible situation that they've made the wrong choice so i do think that in it makes sense that the the world that we're seeing maybe hasn't caught up in so many ways because they are being overseen by people who aren't accepting at all, who are really awful and, and definitely want to control what humanity should look like. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to quite get that across the same way in a two hour movie. Yeah. yeah. All Sequel. right. Sequel. Sequel. Pace sweepers. Yeah. Space sweepers <laughs> too. The Ballad of Bubs. I'm, I'm here for this. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Right? Perhaps even a squeakquel to steal from <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, no which have nothing to do with this. <laughs> no more squeakquels ever. <laughs> a tale am, of two kitties, perhaps? I am, I am the, I am the trans killjoy, the, the, the one that is not Margaret Killjoy. Uh, so well, what about, all I know what is about, I love uh, it. Oh, Bubs in the City. I got to put my foot down on squeakles. Mm -mm. Okay. <laughs> sure. It's your podcast. I... I have the power. I tell you what's good. This is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> many, many will tell you that's exactly how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I am the rich Armitage. <laughs> my giant hologram. <laughs> Could you just not leave it on so late? I mean... <laughs> We're trying to sleep. Exactly. It's very you know, bright. It's bright. And imposing. Hologram screaming goes. Screaming hologram screaming goes. <laughs> oh, it screams now? Great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I'll look forward to that at 2 a.m. Try getting to sleep without it now. You don't even know. <laughs> you wake up and be like, oh, I missed that. Like a jackhammer outside your apartment. Suddenly it's like, oh, I miss it. I've literally never had that thought, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jonathan, tell people how to find you on the internet if you want them to. Sure. So, uh, I'm on Facebook as Jonathan Alexandrados. I'm on Instagram as at toy underscore circus. That's all toy photos all the time. Uh, you can read my stuff on toywizards.com. That's toy-wizards.com. I'm also on tour.com. 
and uh, other places and uh, Twitter at JAlexan. All right, Silas, you're up. Uh, you can also find my work on tour.com. You can find me on Facebook, Silas Barrett, and on uh, Instagram and Twitter at that Sci guy, S-Y. All right, and Emmett. Uh, I'm also on, I, 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 very, everyone's on tour.com. <laughs> tour. <laughs> go to, to tour.com. <laughs> and um, on various uh, social media platforms, my, my username is usually use underscore the force underscore M E M. That's why we talk so much about Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, you, you like Star Wars, right? That's that's a thing that you like. Yeah. Yes, uh, maybe. I, I don't know. I've never I've never heard of it before. Oh, okay. I really like Captain Picard. Yeah, I love that guy. I yeah. love Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, for for us, uh, obviously at is it transphobic you can find that for twitter you can find that for instagram uh you can find the more information on is it transphobic.com you can also find me on twitter at lucretia dear for l-u-c-r-e-t-i-a-d-e-a-r and then the number four uh you cannot find me on tour.com but i don't know let's change. Really? yeah we'll fix that <laughs> yeah, I don't know, i'll write something yeah we're gonna fix that <laughs> hey, it's weird <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be my tour.com <laughs> cool uh so thank you all for joining us thank you all for watching if you're watching the video uh and thank you for listening if you're not watching the video please go to patreon.com slash is transphobic we may do more of these if you liked this let us know tell us talk to us tell me i listen i i look at all the comments i see the twitter i see when people are tagging us saying like hey i listen to this cool podcast and they say this because uh, that happened recently and i was just like all right hey. <laughs> using us to, to talk about things again this is the stuff that normally get cut out but it's not because i'm live <laughs> it's working <laughs> thank you all so much Thank you, Ashley. Thank, Thank you. you, Ashley. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. <laughs>